On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about why it's important to treat multi-room large-scale systems differently than smaller individual systems, how we have to deploy them, what's involved in the record keeping, and how discipline really comes into play. All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control. A state of control. Episode seventy. Ringside seats. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, programming, and automation aspects of the AV industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So on today's show, we're going to talk about how to approach large multi-room systems and why that's different from just approaching traditional projects as you would. And with me to discuss this topic are a couple of returning guests, one who we see a little bit more often than the other, but we're happy to have them both back with us. And before I get to them, I'd like to say hi to my partner here at Estate of Control, Rich Fergosa. How are you today, Rich? Doing good. Uh, uh, Virtual other side of the studio for uh, for the first time. That's right. That's right. We're, We're almost together. You. And if you put them side by side, it looks like the, the side desk interview. Ah, Mellow West Coast sequestered greetings. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good to see you guys. It's, it's good to spend some time chatting. And uh, we may not be doing it physically, but at least we get the chance to see each other's smiling faces. So That's maybe. right. And uh, next, I'd like to introduce a friend and someone who's been with us on, on many shows, uh, most recently a few months back. And his name is Bernard Morgan from ICS Plus. Welcome back, Bernard. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be back. And last but not least, he's a returning guest as well, but it's been a, a bit of time and he's uh, with a, a, another independent programming firm, uh, different from uh, his last time with an integrator. He's Jason DeVito from Pepperdash. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Rich, for having us. Glad to have you. So I think one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is that we're, there's, there's definitely a change in the types of projects that programmers work with, and especially those that really focus on programming that are, that are you know, either pro independent programming firms or, or real hardcore program, programmers. We're not really doing the one and two room systems anymore. We're either doing uh, a, the, the bespoke, highly customized, uh, specific application-driven systems, or we're doing large multi-room rollouts that may even be over a, the course of, of many phases of implementation. So, Rich, let, let's kick this off. Just let's talk about what, what, why do do we need to really look at large multi-room systems differently than we look at just just your regular programmed system? My standard answer, money. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, it's profitability. And, and the, there is also the move, and we've talked about on previous shows, it's, it's the move away from 
uh, physical control systems to as we're virtualizing the virtual control systems. And, uh, you know, the, I, it, it, when I was reading up on, on our, our review and what we wanted to talk about it, it brought me back to, I mean, probably a good 20 something years ago at a university and, and the old sneaker net update method, right? And we were doing with floppy. So you would literally, you'd have these classrooms and the old processors and Bernard remembers this, uh, the processors had, you did too. Yeah. They had floppy disk drives in them. Mm -hmm. And rather than loading into the processor, you would sit there and you'd make about 15 of these floppy disks. And then you would go and you'd run around and ching, 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 throw them in this, it throw them in the, in the, in the floppy drive and you would run the program off of that. And you know, that was, that was the high tech side. You know, if you had the budget for it, that was the high tech side of, of not having to run over to each room and update and, and, um, you know, one of don't the, forget you used to use the hole punch to make it high density disc too, right? Yes. <laughs> and you know, I mean, but but the, it it all comes down to scalability and profitability, and and being able as a company um, to find a way to streamline approaches because you're seeing it more from your clients. They're looking for for you to find ways to optimize. They're looking for ways for you to provide scalable approaches so that they can, um, you know, really justify their budgets at this point. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it, it, again, it, it really comes down to any business at this point. Uh, you shouldn't be thinking for one. I mean, even if you think for one, you need to have the flexibility. And, and we've always said, you know, you, you always want to think about the five years in the future you and that five years in the future you being able to thank you for having some foresight to be able to create something that was flexible. And we're getting to the point now where the tools can support it. If we were having this conversation 10 years ago, we didn't have the tools. 15 years ago, we didn't have the tools. We, we didn't have that kind of connectivity. I mean, connected classrooms for the longest time. And, and uh, we used convergence and we used, I mean, all these buzzwords for years. We're at that point. They're, they're, you know, they're not even novel terms anymore. It's just, you know, you don't even need to coin that term anymore. It's just expected. It's a, it's a de facto process of a campus, of a corporation, um, you know, of any of these situations. I mean, obviously, my, my focus is still resi, but I mean, we do our fair share of, of commercial. And that still applies. It, it really does still apply. I mean, it, you're going to have the basics of a room. And residential has going to have the basics of it, even in bespoke. And then you're going to grow off from it. And, and you need the flexibility from resi as opposed to commercial for having to accommodate newer technologies faster. And being able to do that comes back to, you know, what we were talking about, making something as a big of a larger construct so that you can be able to deploy that much more quickly. So Bernard, uh, Rich touched on a lot of good things there, you know, uh, what about the approach that you take and that you advise people to take is really specific to knowing that what you're going to program is not just going to live in one space or, or just be self-contained. This is something that is a part of, of a much bigger picture. Well, I think Rich hit on a great opening statement. You know, 20 years ago, when you had to put it on a floppy and then physically copy the floppy and put it in 20 different or 30 different processors, you were really sure that you were 100% and everything was up and working before you started making copies of floppies and loading into all the other spots. And I think that mindset has come full circle now because now when you're talking about large scale systems, when you start trying, it's one thing to deploy to, you know, five or 10 rooms. 
and the time it takes to deploy to five to 10 rooms. But now when we start talking today, I need to deploy to 100, 150 rooms, change management and version control become a big issue and a big concern. And I think it's the time that from an approach standpoint, having the discipline to say, okay, before I push this out to these many rooms, did I dot all my I's or did I cross all my T's? Just like when you are sitting here trying to build a house, when you're just cutting a two by four, you just let it, you know, just cut, cut. Oh, I missed the cut. I'm going to go get another two by four. If you're cutting some granite countertop that's one of a kind, you're going to measure eight times or 10 times before you cut that granite because you sure can't super glue it back together. And I think that's the approach we need to talk look at and talk about when we work on these larger systems but more importantly we also need to communicate that to the project team because you're going to say wow this is just a simple room why is it taking you so long because i don't want to reload 150 rooms 14 times because you want to change that word needed to change from laptop to laptops we know you want to dot i's cross t's before you do that Jason, we talked, uh, both Bernard and Rich talked about the tools and the techniques that they need to be able to, to, to really con contain this and, and, and be able to, to have uh, good versioning and, and good record keeping. What are some of the things that you've experienced or that you advise somebody who's going to look at a, a attacking one of these larger scale type of a, of a solutions it more you know whether it's on the on the programming side or even whether it's on looking at it from a management perspective well i think it starts with understanding the customer's requirements and whether or not they currently have enterprise standards uh, if they don't you know are they looking to develop and if they are you know what what are the requirements that they're going to need that can carry them through over the next years the next five, 10 years with those systems. And we've approached many large projects, um, several that have thousand plus rooms. And you know, so Bernard was talking about change management and control over time. I mean, that becomes a task in and of itself that can just bury a, a company trying to keep up with it if it's not managed. And setting those standards up front really are key. Working through that, you know, we have processes in place that allow us to develop uh, an AV user experience and highlight what the UI might look like and then how does that um, work for the customer. And then we take that and then we use that baseline once approved and we start working towards development cycles to then support those user interfaces. And, you know, keeping all of that together and then going all the way down to test reports at the end that can be shared with the integrators with the customer showing, okay, we've tested uh, room X in five different iterations of it, and we haven't found any bugs and agree that we might be reaching that point of mass deployment. And if not, then how do we manage this in this first five rooms versus first 10 versus first hundred versus thousand and moving on from there? Bernard, uh, Jason mentioned about working with with the client and being able to to for for everybody to to be having these types of conversations. Um, how important is that that there's a, a a process in place so that not, you know not only do we get acceptance but but there's buy-in too from the client understanding that. You know, the, this this involves their discipline and their and, and and their input in order for it to go smoothly. I think I think one of the big things, and I think Jason Jason started touching on some of this, is that 
we deal with a lot of things people can't see until we, that we see a finished product. And when we start talking about large systems, you know, thousands of rooms, it's not just about the software at this point. It's about the entire ecosystem, not just the processor. We're looking at firmware. More important, we're also looking at the, the, the version that we developed the, the software on, the tools we developed them on. And that all needs to stay in one big consistent piece. And someone can't install a thousand rooms in a week, nor can we program and deploy a thousand rooms and keep it in the same bubble in a week. So we need to decide on that bubble and explain to the, all the stakeholders why this is the firmware, this is the environment we programmed it in. And if we're going to push this to a thousand rooms, it all needs to be the same. I don't want four different firmwares on two different pieces of software for the uh, revs to be deployed in a thousand rooms because to troubleshoot that becomes a huge, huge monumental task. It's not additive, it's exponential at that point. Well, and adding in things outside of our control as well, you know, customer that has a thousand rooms, are those thousand rooms in one location? Are they installed by the same company? Um, when you start getting into multi-site locations and those thousand rooms are spread out across states or countries, um, you're getting different integrators and how do you manage that each room is installed to the standard set at the beginning for the customer. And that's a whole nother process. Don't, just, oh, don't worry about it. It's just input number two on this TV, but we did input number one over here. That just changed it in the code. Or, you know, hey, we use brand X at location Y and we use brand B at location A. So, um, I, I, and, and I can very much relate to a lot of things that you're saying. A lot of this that you're describing is discipline and you have to, you have to be careful not to look, not to, to sacrifice the big play for the small win. <laughs> you know, you're fixing it in this one room this time because it's 10 o'clock at night and it's going to get the room operational for the morning doesn't necessarily benefit you when it becomes more of a, of a problem in a bigger scale. Um, Rich, we, you know, Jason talked about standards, <laughs> and we also he also talked about user experience. Two things that we have touched on several times on the show, and we've also talked about the 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 persp the the aspect of the role of the programmer and and how you know there there's a, a talk about how programming is becoming easier. But these are two areas that provide significant opportunity for a programmer to take a leadership role. What can we do to, to really own that? I think you just said it right there is that, you know, programming may be easier in some aspects. Coordination is a lot harder. Um, and it's just the nature of, like I was saying earlier, moving from physical devices to virtualized devices. Uh, it is, much more important for the programming team, whether you're part of an integration company, whether you're an independent programmer, any of these things, it's, it's, it's important on working with technology managers with these companies and partnerships um, with the buy-in of, of the stakeholders to be able to say, we cannot operate in a ready fire aim application. I understand you have a C-level meeting tomorrow. I understand the CEO wants to be able to broadcast this company-wide to multiple sites. We understand all of these things. What we are saying is that 15 years ago, we might've been able to accommodate it because it would have been a one-off with the sneaker net and away we go. Because 
there was no firmware in these devices. <laughs> you know, there was no worries about uh, HIPAA regulations or FTC regulations and where you were on the network and whether you were sequestered or whether you were sending audio and video over the network. You know, those weren't considerations then. They are considerations now. And, and like Bernard was saying, there's a lot more that we're dealing with in the unseen than what is visible. And because of that, it requires the programmers to, um, you know, kind of stand up, you know, and draw that line in the ground and say, I'm here to protect you from yourself. Uh, and I, you know, the, the, running, the running conversation I've always had with my clients, longstanding clients, I said, I, I have one job at times and my job is to tell you no. And you don't like hearing no. You, you, you are not the type of person that takes no for an answer. My job is to sometimes say no to protect you from yourself. And that is a, it's a rough and a delicate conversation to have uh, because you are dealing with companies that sometimes just want, they, what, want what they want, people who want what they want. We, I get it. We, you know, what we do is about gratification. You know, it, it's, it's electronic gratification, right? You know, they want it simple. They want it easy. It is, you know, it's the warm fuzzies. But there is a, a subtext to it. And, and, and a big part of it comes down to stepping up and saying, yes, the, you know, the, the, the APIs here, all of these things. But again, you know, perfect example. Um, late winter of, what was it, 18, beginning of 19, a major video conferencing manufacturer completely changed how they talked to systems. Com like 180 degrees out of the way, right? Everybody went, this is fantastic. And every control system programmer out there went, what the heck? <laughs> and it was a scramble. And what, what Bernard was saying, and, and Jason knows this as well. Again, you know, I mean, one room, yeah. Two rooms, yeah. 150 rooms, okay. Uh, and did you budget for it? And, and that's what it comes back to at this point too with, with programming companies is because software is fluid in that respect, you have to have more ironclad expectations of your client. And like Bernard said, I mean, we have it. I know you have it. I would recommend if as a third-party programmer, you don't have it, you need to have firmware clauses. You absolutely have to have them that you tested on X. Any changes by another party from X is untested <laughs> and may or may not affect system performance, dot, dot, dot. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're going to kind of screw things up, I think, sometimes like the movie industry did and the music industry did. You know, we're going to have technology based upon attorneys instead of engineers. But that is a reality. Um, and, and so it is requiring, I think, programmers to be much more active as liaisons um, to the technology and getting away from the bits and bytes and to the coordination. I mean, I, I, I've said it how many years is that, you know, my job, I'm, I'm the technology concierge. You know, my job is to get you, you know, ringside seats, you know, for what you want from a technology standpoint. That's who we have to maintain our role as. And that's where the value add comes from. So Jason, I'll, I'll um, follow up with you on this. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that you touched on also, you know, with regard to standards is, is there something that's existing? And, and so when you're looking at do it, and, and obviously this may, may be a conversation in and of itself, but when you're looking at 
taking an existing standard and trying to turn it into something that you know is going to become more. How do you go? What does that migration look like? Oh, wow. Um, you know, it could depend. You, you know, there's times where, you know, working with higher education, you know, one school within the full higher education system or customer may have a standard and others might want to adopt it, but we have to evaluate how does that affect them? Um, you know, it's, it's also the technology that they're going to be using um, hardware wise. They might have a different standard from the other school. One might use uh, a different brand of DSP and how we're trying to bring that all together. We have to bring everybody into the conversation. It, it, the standards are, you know, they're not set in stone. They have to be refined. They have to be reviewed over time. It, it's something that just, it's going to grow. It, and by locking yourself saying, okay, we set a standard and saying we're done and walk away and say, that's it. That's a bad move. We have to be able to look at it and revise it throughout the time. And, and when you have a standard that is set and you run into an issue, you have to be able to bring the team together, discuss what the issue is. How does it affect the standard? Does it affect the integrator versus the independent programmer? Does it affect everybody? Um, what is the possible solution then, you know, getting buy-in from the customer as the, the subject matter experts, you know, that we have to present our findings and, and what we're recommending to update that standard. So it, it's a, it's a hard thing to put, you know, define what that looks like. It, it's, it's, it's moving, it's fluid, project to project, customer to customer, you know, every day, it's not something that's just set. I think that's the point that well well made, and that 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 that's the takeaway, in my opinion, is that a standard has a guidelines, but a standard needs needs to be flexible, and but but still also requires discipline to be able to to nurture it. Let's let's say, um, Bernard, I I know that one of the things that that you do, and you know, this is based on on our our conversations, and and you know, I'm kind of touch on what Rich said about maintaining firmware and making sure that all the I's are and are dotted and T's are crossed. Um, what what it, what can you do to be able to um, mitigate some of those risks that may arise when it comes to um, either devices? changing the way they work, you know, like Rich mentioned, or, or even, um, you know, finding something that, that um, it isn't what you expect it, it to be uh, when you're trying to roll out a bunch of systems. So you're, you know, it, you know there's a, you almost have to balance two sides of the scale. Yeah. And I think so many times when programming systems, we look at saying, okay, we're just going to grab the firmware, the DSP, the processor and, and the user interface. But we also now to a point that we need to grab the firmware of the display, right? So many of the devices we're talking about to now are over IP. I think one of the biggest tools, development tools that we use that we don't talk about is Excel and knowing how to use a pivot table. And Excel, right? Because the amount of data that we need to collect in each room is to help protect everyone's interest. And, you know, we don't know that this TV up, display updated firmware overnight because that's something in the past we've had to worry about. But now that everything's on a connected platform and everything can get out and everything has its own firmware, we need to make sure we understand and do the take the time to document the environment 
that this room was not only tested and commissioned in, but be able to provide that documentation and use that documentation going forward. So as Jason's talked about, having standards and being able to make sure those standards are in place to grow is being able to also document the environment so the standards go with the environment. And that way we know that, hey, the reason why these three rooms aren't working is because this is what's different than these rooms over here. And it has nothing to do with the, 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 the programming or the installation. It has to do that somehow this is on version 10 and this was on version seven everywhere else. And being able to have that documented and be able to present that when those problems occur takes hours and hours and hundreds of emails out of circulation very quickly because normally that information is hard to find and usually the only person that documents that is the programmer. Richard, you mentioned earlier about you know the difference between commercial and residential, and I and I I have to believe that that this. That, that this approach, you know, in a larger scale or multi-resident uh, client, you, you, you probably have similar challenges. Um, talk a little bit about your experience with that and, and you know, for, for those who also are, need to understand how this conversation applies to the residential world. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, they completely relate to them um, because it comes down to documentation. It comes down to um, mastering your craft and being good at what you do. And being good at what you do means being thorough at what you do. Um, and, you know, like I said, the running joke is, you know, help, help a brother out, help help five-year future you out, you know? And I, every time that I've, I've worked with newer programmers or, you know, we brought somebody in or, you know, I'm partnering with somebody. And, and my goal has always been, find me your newest guy. Find me the person who doesn't know yet, who doesn't know what they don't know. And we're going to spend the time reviewing why this is important. It's not important today because when you're on a project, and we have all suffered from this. I have done it countless times. I still sometimes do it as much as I don't want to admit it. But you're on a deadline, right? And so everything's in your head when you're on a deadline, right? And you're, you're banging away and you're working and you're working. And you forget, like Bernard said, to write something down, um, to catalog, you know, the firmware, what, you know, what, what's going on on that processor, you know, S simple things like, gosh, you know, what are the IP addresses of the cameras in that room? Because it's a really close octet to one in the room next door. But by the way, they're all on the same network and you accidentally loaded the wrong program into room one that was supposed to be in room two, right? We've all done these things, but the important part I constantly talk about is that that documentation won't save your butt today six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, when you go back to that project and residential is the same thing. And again, I, you know, I've got houses that, you know, were, were built, you know, at this right at this point, you know, 27, 28, 29 years ago that we're still maintaining. And we've been through all of these iterations and we do have multiple houses and we have clients who are used to how house A works and they want to be able to move in quickly into house B. And, you know, you have geographic issues. I mean, you even have different stand TV standards, you know, when you're going back and forth between Europe and US and Asia and all of these things. And it, that's no different than in a corporate environment from DSPA or DSPB, you know, codec A or codec B. It's, it, they're all just things at the end that, you know, that you're touching out to. Um, but it comes down to having that documentation. I, I will say, you know, for us, um, people are a lot more open to electronic communication like this. I, I, I have found buy-in 
from the trades that never, ever, ever, ever would have taken the time for a five minute Zoom call with me, as opposed to you need to drive an hour out to the site, sit down with me, show me something for five minutes. It could have been handled in that Zoom call. And, and so I, I think that although the tools are changing that we control to, I think it's also important for programmers to be dog fooding more their technology. You know, if you are part of the third party programming group and you're there with the, the, you know, the vested parties, you should be using your software when you're having these conversations. You should be having a five, 10, 15 person, you know, Zoom or Teams or whatever it happens to be called to be able to further the point of how these things change. You know, I mean, security is an issue these days. Uh, you know, I mean, we're, I don't wanna use unprecedented <laughs> anymore. I'm tired of using that word. However, the changes of how we're going to be interacting with each other from here forward are unprecedented. And I think it's a great opportunity for the programming community to be able to say, we now can actually get you to use the tools that we've been begging you to use for the past five years. And, and people are understanding, oh, okay, gosh, we, we can have this conversation, get all the players together, screen share. I mean, I, I know Bernard, I'm sure you've done a couple of framework, you know, over this, that before required grabbing your laptop, grabbing a projector, going into a conference room and having everybody sit down. You know, I mean, you spent more, you, you can spend more time traveling at times to a site than the actual presentation to get everybody to go, oh, I get it now. Um, and so, you know, that, that for me is a little exciting. You know, I mean, you also have to worry about fatigue because it can be overused. But I think if you use it effectively, I think there's going to be some great tools for programmers that need to be far reaching and saying, hey, look, this technology is there now. I'm the purveyor of this technology. I really should be more uh, of an advocate for it and using it and, and working the way through. And so, you know, as it relates to Resi, you know, for me, what I found out, it's making things a lot easier to talk to a plumber, to a pool guy, uh, you know, to, to a finished carpenter, a cabinet maker. I'm, I'm able to use inroads because right now I can't physically get near them. So it's giving me an opportunity to be able to say, hey, we are using technology. We are, you know, we're all picking something that's going to work. Let's all now come together as trades and hopefully, you know, find something that, that's going to be better for the end user and again, comes back to making us more money, you know, and if you live in a major metropolitan area, you know, I mean, anything that saves traffic time and drive time and everything else, uh, it's, it's, you know, it just makes your business that much better. But I would argue though, I mean, the thing is, I think the programming community has been doing this for a long time. You know, every time I get stuck, I'll call one of my buddies up and say, hey, you mind hopping on a screen share? And you, I, I can't see it. I can't see it. I mean, peer review. So the, I think the programming community has been doing this type of, hey, let's go on a quick five, 10 minute screen share or Zoom call for so long. It's become second nature to us. And I think I'm, I, I agree with Rich. We need to lead that charge in these new times because we've been doing it for so long. We take it for granted that we've been doing it and forget that we've been doing it. It's like second nature to us. Oh, yes, hop on a screen share. Well, that, I think that's a, a good tip for everybody, actually, and a good way to show the leadership of the uh, of, of what programmers offer, and and, uh, and 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 it still does speak to the fact that our value isn't just in writing code. So, uh, with that, I think that's what we have for today as far as time. So, I'm going to wrap things up by thanking everybody for being here today. First, I'd like to thank Bernard Morgan from ICS Plus. Thanks, Bernard, for being here. Uh, how could people get in touch with you, learn more about ICS Plus? 
the website's a great start at icsplusonline.com. And thank you, for Jason, for being with us again. And gl glad to have you here and hope to have you back. How can people find more about you and Pepperdash as well as the, the newly released Pepperdash framework? Steve, thank you. Uh, first, you know, I, I recommend people go to pepperdash.com and check out the website. From there, you can get a link to the Essentials Framework um, that's turned open source. And if they, someone wants to email me, they can reach me at jdevito at pepperdash.com. Thank you. And last but not least, Rich, another great show. Uh, how could people get in touch with you and uh, learn more about what you're up to? Uh, well, the fastest way is find me on the interwebs, uh, Twitter and all the social media at rfergosa on Twitter. You can type my name into the Googles. I'm sure I will pop up appropriately, uh, fergosadesign.com. But as always, I would really like for you to find me here on avnation.tv with our suite of shows and supporting uh, all of our sponsors. That would be the best way to follow because I love being on here with my partner, Steve, and also our other suite of shows. Excellent. I, I often hear you on other shows and, uh, and we're, we're always giving each other a shout out. So it's, uh, that's the way we make it happen. Uh, but uh, as Rich said, please, uh, please reach out to us. We want to hear from you. We want to know what we're doing well and what you want to hear more about. We want to also want to be able to provide you with the content that is best suited for your needs. Uh, so please reach out to us. You can find us directly, uh, me, Steve Greenblatt, at Steve Greenblatt on social media, or my company, Control Concepts, our website, uh, controlconcepts.net. But uh, reach us through, reach out to us at avnation.tv to find more about the show and all the other shows. Actually, it's been a brand new website, so check that out as well. Very nice and clean and, uh, and something to admire. So uh, while you're there, visit the sponsors, as Rich said, and, uh, and check them out and show them that we appreciate them. But other than that, that's all the time we have today for State of Control.